the, hang on, about the value of a child. Man, you messed me up. And my, my thing here is if you ever were or you are a child, you can be seated. If you are a child or you ever were a child, you can be seated. So even if it's not quite the stage of life we're in right now, I, I think that what I'm going to speak about applies to all of us because it is a part of our life. Um, so I felt like I was supposed to talk about parenting, raising children. I know a thing or two about that, so I didn't think I had to do a whole lot of research except, you know, get the Bible verses and that. But I, I thought, well, let me go see what the Internet says about children. So I found some memes, and this is going to go pretty quick, Tina, so stick with me. If you could give me the first meme. Some of these you'll have seen before, but... Raising kids is like a walk in the park, Jurassic Park. Um, the next one, you can see some of these have extra stuff on them. The quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. And I do say that that's just about true, or go to the bathroom maybe. Um, that works too. The next one, Working mothers are guinea pigs in a scientific experiment to show that sleep is not necessary to human life. The next one I've experienced with my children a few times. My daughter woke up at 6.06 .06 this morning instead of her usual 6 o'clock because we let her stay up five hours past her bedtime last night. <laughs> Isn't that true? So the next one. Friend, what's parenting like? Me. You know all the side effects they list on prescription drug commercials? It's like that. Some of those times I hear those things, I'm like, why would anybody ever take that drug? Okay. Uh, the next one. You know your life has changed when going to the grocery store by yourself is a vacation. Yeah, Costco. Or date. <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a date, too. Um, let's see, uh, I think the next one is, yeah, my friend asked me recently what the most difficult part of being a parent is. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's the kids, I replied. And this last one, I am totally at this stage right now. When I see a baby, I think, oh, what a cute little pile of work. <laughs> I am so done with that stage. So... All of these are funny because we know they have a bit of truth to them. They really are. Parenting is just crazy. So why do we do it? I mean, we have options now medically to have kids or not have kids. And so why does anybody have kids? And I honestly have wondered that at times with my five. I was a little slow. Um, why, why do we do Are we just stupid? Are we gluttons for punishment? Are we... Why, why do we do this to ourselves? I think it's because we know that within them, within us, because we all are children, is a spark of the Almighty. And uh, if you could put up my title slide again. The love, the hugs, the rewards, the things that go right. We finally get on potty train. They finally sleep through the night. They learn to add. They learn to read. They learn to drive. They go to college. They get a job. All of those things are amazingly fulfilling when you see 
them doing well. One of the things that I'm loving right now about this stage of life is that my kids are starting to figure out what their thing is, what they really like to do, what they're really good at, what they want to do with life. Um, And that's really fun. So I think probably the next slide is more apt, if you can go back to it. It says, a hundred years from now, it will not matter what kind of car I drove, what kind of house I lived in, nor how much money I had in my bank account. But the world may be better because I was important in the life of a child. I have it hanging by my, by my front door there to try to remind me when I feel like it's a walk in Jurassic Park that um, this is a long-term thing. And I think we know that this is a way we can impact the world. It's a way that we can change the future. Just maybe not a huge amount, but a little bit. And it goes on and on. Psalms 127, 3 through 5 is my main text, one of my main texts. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Um, so this is, this is it. Children are a reward from God. They're a gift, even though it feels like a gag gift sometimes. They're, they're a gift from God himself. They are an inheritance, just like the earth, but the earth doesn't have God's image on it. They're a piece of God given to us, but they are really hard work, and raising children looks a lot easier than it is. I learned when Vincent was just a few days old that being a good parent was a lot harder than being a bad parent, maybe a few hours old. Um, And you will end up doing the work, just whether you want to do it up front or as you're raising your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and, you know, they come back to you or you will do the work, just whether you do it as a baby or a teenager because um, the, it doesn't just happen. The children have to be raised. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, we're very familiar with this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, this verse has been misinterpreted. It has been seen to be very painful because there isn't a guarantee with parenting. And sometimes we raise our children on the right path, and it seems like they do leave it. And that is incomprehensible and very painful. But I would say that even if you raise a child in the right way, and nobody's perfect, but if we raise them on the right path, and even if it looks like they've left it, I guarantee you every child that was raised on the right path has pieces of them, no matter how far they've strayed, have pieces of you in them, have pieces of God, have pieces of right behavior and scripture and things that they will never leave. They cannot 
leave it, whether it's kindness or some sense of justice or those kinds of things. But the thing I want to focus on is not that, but the, the verb there is something that you have to do, direct. It doesn't just happen. Um, you have to actively do this thing. So how do we do it? Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 7, and then there's another place I didn't put up, but this says pretty much the same thing. We're very familiar with Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's our doctrine right there. And it was what God wanted to impress to Israel probably more than any of the other scriptures. He said, put it on your forehead, put it on your doorpost, know this thing. Listen, Israel. All of Israel, the whole country needs to know this thing. The Lord your God is one Lord. Do that. That's the doctrine. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. A lot of the gods around weren't very loving and made it, the, the belief in these gods made it impossible for you to love them. They required child sacrifice. They required horrible things. But our God is not like that. He wants a relationship with us. Now, the next verse, um, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Very good. You shall teach them diligently. There's another action, and actually how you're supposed to do it, very, very diligently to your children. Okay, that's great. How? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That is very wordy. <laughs> He's trying to cover a lot of bases there. You're going to do this thing like a lot, all the time. When you're laying down, you read a bedtime story. When you get up, you brush your teeth. When you are at home, when you're not at home, there's not too many other choices between home or not at home. Basically, always, you have to be training your children in this thing. Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and you're supposed to love him with everything. Um, but this doesn't just happen, and God knew it didn't just happen, and he knew it had to be made a part of life. So as we're raising our children, we have to make sure that we get to them the doctrine, and we have to make sure that we get to them the relationship, because either without the other is unbalanced. Um, now, it doesn't say in this verse here that... These words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. You shall take them to KBN for an hour and a half a week, and you're good. I love KBN. I have nothing against KBN. I love it even better now that somebody else is innovating and making great changes to it. I'm excited about that. But you know what? We can expose your kids to truth at KBN, but we can't do this. We can't do this at KBN. We can't. As your Sunday school teacher is not going to teach your child as you sit in your house and when you're driving in your car and when you're um, dealing with traffic or when you're dealing with a broken heart or a stubbed toe or any of those things. Um, it has to be the people that are home with the child. 
we can help. We can come alongside. Big group, we're trying to make it kid-friendly. Please come out Wednesday. You're going to have a blast. Small groups, we're trying to make kid-friendly. Bible quizzing, the reason Bible quizzing works or doesn't work, have a little secret, is by the parent. Because we as coaches can help with the game, but we are not going to be able to teach your 8-year-old child to memorize those verses. Maybe a 16-year-old kid can do it on their own, but by that time, they probably aren't going to be doing it. You matter. You matter. Did you know that, this is a side note, but Sunday school wasn't created to be what we know it as now. Sunday school originally was a school, literally, on Sunday to teach reading and writing and math and such things to working children who didn't have a way to learn. Um, It wasn't, it's not biblical, it's not unbiblical, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says take your kids to Sunday school. Um, No, it says to teach your children. So how do you do that? There is no X, Y, Z of you do this on Monday and this on Tuesday. There's no you do this at 10 in the morning and you do this at noon. There's no when the kid does this, when the kid does X, you say this. Um, You have to figure that out within your family. You get to figure that out within your family. Isn't that wonderful? Um, But you as a parent are the main thing. I will say that this church, they say it takes a village. I'm not real fond of that saying because I think it takes a lot of the, it takes responsibility off of parents, but you as parents need to pick a village. And this church is a really good village (laughs) to have help you raise your children. Um, we have had, through, through the years, people give our kids books. Sister Susan Tucker developed a special relationship with Vincent because when he was little bitty, she realized he likes books. And so she would go to the secondhand bookstore and buy him Boxcar Children or Sugar Creek Gang or something. She had a list of which ones he had, Magic Treehouse maybe, She had a list of which ones he had and which ones he needed, and she would go bring him books. And and she didn't do that with any other kids. That was just Vincent, and that was fine. And then when she needed a small group ride for a while, he was her ride when he got a little bit older. Um, uh, Adults have given my kids money for quoting. Sister Buddy, I don't know how she has gas money because she gives so much money to the the quizzers, but... um, Balloons for birthday, you know, the, the, the church can come alongside, and I encourage you if you, obviously you're a member of church, you're, you're here tonight, but look around and, and see what you can do for a kid to make their life a little better. I'm not saying that only parents matter, because they, that's not true, but they are the ones who really make or break it. You can't side, side cut this. It is so important. Whether you use, in my day, raising the kids, it was VeggieTales and Max Lucado's Hermie and Friends, and it was Adventures in Odyssey, and it was Frank Peretti's Mr. Henry. And when we get in the car, so we have, when you're walking by the way, well, we didn't walk by the way, we travel in the car, but CD player starts going and tells a Bible story. Or 
it wasn't oppressive. It wasn't sit down for three hours and learn Hebrew. You know, it was make God a part of your life. Put it on a kid's level, just like you do. This is the way you brush your teeth. This is the way we forgive. This is how we take a bath. This is how we pay our tithes. This is how we comb our hair. This is how we go to church. And that modeling, the making it part of life is the important thing. And it's not flashy. And it's hard and it's boring. And it's never ending. Well, it does end, I'm told. Um, Things like taking your kids shopping for clothes. Holiness. There you go. Um, Talking about young love and crushes and boyfriends and girlfriends. Morality. Um, All of those things are just baked in, and you have to be looking for them as parents. And it matters, and it is biblical. Um, I heard, now this is like third hand, but, but, well, let me back up a minute. Have you ever noticed that families who were involved in sports, it's like the whole family, the, the ice, you know, the Olympic ice skater, they'll move the family across the country to, to be near the right coach, or all the boys in the family play football, or whatever. Musical families, it's not an accident when you get these families who all play some musical instrument, because they make it important. Artistic families, um, all kinds of things, because the family matters. It's modeling, and we're modeling whether we even realize it. The story I had um, is, if, if you know that Lou goes at all, you know they're about hospitality. And I've heard that this Thanksgiving, Sister Mary was out of town, and so they invited a member of their small group, Brother Ray, to come and spend Thanksgiving with them. And I've heard that Dinah was just horrified because they had invited Ray and not Mary. <laughs> but you know where she learned that? That you don't invite one member of the married couple and not the other? She learned that from her parents. And uh, they didn't sit down and teach her, okay, Dinah, this is what you do and this is what you don't do. No, she just picked it up. And there it is. Um, now, the deal is that we're teaching them whether we want to or not. So when you're in traffic and yelling at the other cars, that's teaching them as well. So we do have to be careful with those kinds of things. Um, I want to give you just, in my last few minutes here, just a few snippets of some Bible stories. And uh, I have a special place in my heart for Bible stories that involve children. Because in the Bible, most of the stories are about men, right? Because they were the ones with the power in that culture. There's some about women, and there aren't too many about children. So when you see a Bible story with a child in it, perk up, because there's something there. So the first one, and I don't know if I'll read these all, but John 6, verses 8 and 9. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Now, they've had, Jesus has been teaching people, 5,000 or more people, for all day, and they're hungry. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what, is, what good is that with this huge crowd? 
So we know the story. This is the little boy's lunch, and he gives it to Jesus, and Jesus multiplies it. Now, I as a mom, I as a woman, look at this story and go, I want to know the rest of this story. Because you don't have 5,000 people, if there were any women or children, that have no food. I don't know if they had already eaten all their food, but I guarantee you if there were women there, there was food. Or there had been food. Because you don't go anywhere for the day without a lunch. You just do that. Now, probably the men would have thought of it too, because men like to eat too. But So I don't know, maybe they had already eaten their lunch, and this little boy didn't like fish, or, you know, I don't know. But so he's the only one, at least, that's offering up his food. I suspect that there was other food. That's not biblical. That's Regina 5-2. But I think that this little boy had been taught to share. And at least there was somebody that cooked those five barley loaves and caught the two fish. And the people we don't see in this story are the mom and dad back home that supplied the food and taught this little boy to share his food. Because he wouldn't have done that any other way. Little boys don't share their food. They like to eat it. So um, that's the behind-the-scenes look at that one. This one is more, more easy to, to prove. The Syrian made. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Now, here we have a little girl who has been captured. She is called a little maid or a little girl. So she's not, I don't even think she was a teenager. And she had, her homeland had been conquered. She had been taken as a slave. Again, we kind of read over this. Um, but if we slow down, we realize that this is a little girl who is a slave. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through time the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. How did this little girl know that? No, the little girl had been taught. Somebody taught this little girl as she walked by the way, as she got up and as she went to bed, and as she was at home. I doubt they had veggie tails, but somehow they got through to this little girl that if you need help, the God of Israel will help you. And we know who his prophet is. Here's another one, Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. Now this is dealing with Timothy as an adult. Remember... I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Again, if we look at behind the scenes here, we can see that Timothy's mother and grandmother, on his mother's side we assume, were Jewish, had become Christians. But Timothy's father was a Greek man. Timothy was not circumcised. 
So something went wrong because Eunice was Jewish. Am I having that right? No. Lois was Jewish. Eunice was Jewish. And Eunice married a Greek man. Now, the Jews weren't supposed to marry Greek men. Something went wrong. But whatever the case happened, Lois and the grandmother raised this child to know God. We don't know much about the father, whether he had died, whether he was around, whatever. But the mother and the grandmother helped and taught Timothy so that when he was an adult, Paul said, I see your faith, and I know that it's the same faith that was in your mom and your grandma. I know there's a lot of grandmas here, and some of you have more control and some of you have less control, but you can help. And if your children are in church and are raising your, your grandkids in the church, help. For goodness sake, help. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it, seriously, there was a time when I did not leave the house except to go to church and to doctor's visits. And the way I went to doctor's visits is my father-in-law would come down and watch the kids. And if I needed to go somewhere, I used his car and I would go somewhere because I had the kid's grandfather. Um, Steve was doing exactly what he should have been doing. He was in a PhD program, he was pastoring, he was teaching. There were times that I had five kids at home and I needed to go somewhere. And if you've ever gone anywhere with five kids, you know that's just insane. Grandpa helped. The, the grandparents quote the kids. There's a million things you can do. Do the grocery shopping. Whatever. Help those. Help your kids. Help your grandkids. And if your kids aren't raising your grandkids in the way that they should go, but you have access, then certainly, by all means, do everything you can. Because grandmothers, grandmas matter. Grandpas do too. It doesn't say your grandpa, though, so I have to say grandma. And the last one, again, kind of goes toward the it takes a village idea. But this one's in Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, verses 8 through 10. And this is a situation where Samuel has been given to the temple. Now, I cannot imagine the pain that Hannah went through. I, that just blows my mind. Whatever the case, though, she had promised this child to God, and she had left him at the temple with Eli. One of the things that I would have been worried about as Hannah is that Eli's sons were a mess. Eli obviously hadn't raised very good children before, and what makes me think he's going to do it now? But in this situation, we see that Samuel didn't have his mom and dad to teach him as he woke and laid down and was at home and was on the road. But he had Eli. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. thought Eli was calling him. Uh, Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. He knew something Samuel didn't know. So he said to Samuel, he directed him as he got up and as he, walked, as he laid down, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called us before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, 
your servant is listening. So I've already spoken about grandparenting. If you have access to be an impact on a child, do it. This is what I would call an adoptive parenting situation. Um, even though the parents were not totally distant, uh, they weren't there all day, every day. And Eli was. So he was acting as that parent, guiding and directing. If you are in this church and have a burden for children, offer to teach Sunday school, look around and find a kid that likes something and you relate to the child on that level. But the kids are important because they are our church tomorrow and they are our church today. Um, I didn't plan this in my notes, but I've shared on Facebook. You can go look at it if you want a picture that I just showed up on my memories from Easter 2004. And in 2004, Vincent was five or six. Caleb was four or so. Charity was in the picture. I showed her. She was the cutest little thing. She was smaller than Jewel, I think. Um, Charity's brother was in the picture. All the Shellet kids were lined up there. And everybody was so cute. They looked like they had just shrunk. Um, but now you look around, and they're teaching Sunday school. They're helping clean the church. They're, they're members of small groups. They are our church. And that wasn't that long ago, 15 years ago. So if you have ever had anybody have an impact on you when you were a child? Good or bad, obviously, I know that's a yes, but please stand up and we'll go on with our service because it matters. People impact your life and let's impact our children in a positive way. Thank you. <laughs>